Please be seated. Wow. A lot going on. And uh, if you are just on that, um, thank you for those of you who um, prompted me to pray for Florida. And uh, many of us have connections as well and relationships. And um, we pray for that. Also, for those that may be interested in joining the life chain uh, this afternoon in, in Kelowna, down by, I believe, Dairy Queen, uh, there's a Norton will be here at the back. Come and see me, and he has all the details if you want to go and join. We're beginning a new series, and this new series, having gone through the series of the reason for the church, and and I, I am so encouraged, you know, I have fallen in love with the church even more by studying the last three sermons about the purpose of the church. It's, it's reminded me, uh, not that I needed to fall in love, but it's like marriage, isn't it? It, uh, it gets a, you know, can sometimes, you know, you're in love and everything's awesome, but then, then suddenly it's like that super size me moment. At that moment of, of, oh, yes, whoa, yes. That's for Michelle, and who's my wife, and, and uh, so you know that. And you get that moment, and of course, we've been thinking about the importance of church and the way that church makes a difference in our lives. Jesus Christ was the great question asker. Sometimes we think of the Greeks of really uh, cornering the market on great philosophical questions and direct questions. Although the Greeks asked questions about the world, about nature, about philosophy, about status. And of course, um, the different Socrates and the different great Greek philosophers, uh, Plato, that, that kind of formed often some of Western thinking, of course, and much of Western thinking in many ways with art and architecture and so on. Jesus Christ, when you look at his life, actually, one could argue, asked more questions than, than even Socrates. He asked 307 questions of people in the accounts of the Gospels. So, and what we know is that, that he was asked something in the region of 173 questions, but actually there were eight key questions that Jesus addressed to individuals and to people. And I think sometimes if we were to meet Jesus, we forget that it would be very uncomfortable uh, physically back then because he would be very direct with us and he would ask us questions, would come to us and ask us questions. Questions about longing, questions about compassion, questions about identity, question about faith and doubt, questions about love, questions about about healing, questions he answered about abundance. He asked eight key questions. And over the next weeks, we're going to be looking at these eight key questions and, and understanding the heart of Jesus. And for many of us, um, we know and love Jesus with all of our heart. Jesus is magnificent. Jesus is, is, has shown us the truth of the scriptures from Genesis through to Revelation. Jesus has come into our brokenness, into our pain, and brought joy and brought hope and brought deliverance. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the only answer for this world. He is the Savior, the Lord, the King and the Redeemer. Jesus is what we really, really love 
because he came into our hearts and changed our minds. So Jesus, the great questioner, what is my next step to go deeper in my faith? What is your next step to go deeper in your faith? What is that? What are you looking for? What is your longing? This is an important question that Jesus would ask. And if particularly in the book of John, we see that this, this question is asked. What are you looking for? What are you facing? What, what is going through? Repeatedly asked again and again. When the crowds came at the beginning of John's gospel, he turned to them and said, what are you looking for? You know, why have you all come? Are you looking for a great Messiah to come and to defeat the Romans? Are you looking for a great uprising and revolution like, like Judas of Maccabeus who rose up and rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and there defeated the Greek overlords of that period in history between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Are you looking for a freedom fighter? Are you looking for a general? I tell you I'm not that freedom fighter. I'm not that general that will lead armies but I'm going to defeat something far greater. I am going to defeat death. I am going to defeat sin. I am going to defeat darkness and the devil of this world. That's what I'm going to defeat. People would come to him. They would come to him desperate. They would gather around. And then there was another question. You know, let me read. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen, went out and asked them, who is it you want? Often Jesus would ask the question, who are you looking for? Who is it that you want? Here in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's there in the darkness, the flickering of the torchlights. And there suddenly a crowd arrives. And as this crowd arrives, they are coming to arrest him. He's about to betray and he asked them this profound question, who is it that you want? Who are you searching for? What is all this about? Who is it? An open question, a question of power. Who is it? And, and even in that moment, as they gathered around, there's that beautiful scripture where he talks, he walked forwards and they fell back in the power that was on Jesus Christ. Of course, he was arrested, taken, and condemned, and nailed to the cross. And then we had the beautiful moment. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying and who is it you are looking for? That's the most important question we can answer within each of our lives in a world that is full of, of activity, in a world that is full of looking for answers and looking for fulfillment, in a world that is trying new experiences, in a world that is so experiential, searching and looking. And Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene in the middle of her pain, in the middle of her agony, in the middle of this, this agony that is there. And she looks and 
and up. And he says, who is it that you are truly, truly looking for? And that's a question I want to ask you and I this morning in your life. Who are you truly looking for? What are you looking for? Who are you looking for? Because you may think that's strange to ask that in church, but I think Jesus would ask this question to each one of us, whether we are Christians or not. Who are you looking for? What is the priority in your life? What are you building your life on? How are you constructing your heart? Who are you and what are you looking for within your life? I get a bit hungry at night. And I walk out the bedroom and maybe Michelle's reading or I've been reading and I'm feeling that little hunger. And I walk to the fridge. I open the fridge up. I love North American fridges. They are so big. You could, could almost move in and live there. And you open the fridge and the glorious glowing light shines and fills the... Um, I don't know whether you do this, but then I just stare in the fridge. Five minutes can pass and I'm staring and I'm thinking, what do I want? What am I looking for? Maybe a pepperoni stick. Maybe a chicken leg. Maybe some cheese and biscuits last thing at night. Mm. Maybe, maybe some broccoli. No. And... (laughs) I'm looking for happy food, food that makes me happy. Chinese food I call happy food because it just makes me happy, makes me smile. What are you looking for? And you're trying one thing after another. One moment you're looking and you're seeing teenage boys do this. I guess I haven't grown up. They walk there, they stand there and they stare, they look around and then they walk away and they get cereal. But they always go to the fridge first. And I think that is a little metaphor of what modern culture is like. We're searching for something, but we're not quite sure what on earth we are searching for. We stand there and we luck. I'll try a bit of this. I'll try a bit of that. I'll try that. But the truth is, you're never satisfied, but always looking. And Jesus looks and said, even in your middle of your loss, in your middle of your pain, in the middle of what you're going through, Who are you truly looking for? I mean, at first, those questions are quite simple. You walk into a store looking for something and somebody says, "Um, Sir, can I help you? What are you looking for? Well, I'm looking, you know, for a pair of trousers. I'm looking for this. You know? You're walking around a big building, you're lost, and somebody says like I was in a Calgary University recently, absolutely lost, and somebody took pity on me, walked up to me and said, I can see you're lost. Who are you looking for? Oh, yes, good question. I am lost. I mean, it's a, it's a simple question. But the way that, and it's an easy answer, I'm looking for this person, you give it. I'm, what have you come for? I'm looking for a pair of trousers. It's easy. But when Jesus answers it, it is open because what Jesus wants to do is get to the heart of who you are and what motivates you and what is number one within your life. An open question. 
He wants to open your life. He wants to open who you are. He wants to open our lives and come into our motivation and come into our lives where we surrender everything to him. Now I know there are times definitely when you ask a question, you shouldn't answer it openly. Like when your wife comes back with a new piece of clothing and she says, what do you think? That is not a time to be philosophical about the clothing and to look and go, well, I don't know. Suits you, don't get me wrong. But maybe, maybe, maybe. No, men, do not. You just simply say, oh, that looks amazing, darling. And now, really, I've got in lots of trouble by adding my philosophical open question approach to something. But what does Jesus... He, he asks her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. And she said, sir... If you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. The remarkable thing about Mary's journey was that when you ask the question, what do you want and who are you? I believe that what Jesus did in the life of this woman was that he came to her brokenness. He came to her pain. He answered her deepest question and the answer to her purpose and to her meaning in life was realizing the revelation that Jesus is right there for her, even when she thought it was all over and finished. He had risen from the grave. He had rose on the third day. He stood in front of her and he said, who are you truly looking for? Well, who was she truly longing for and looking for? She is truly looking for her savior, her teacher, her Lord. And that must be our motivation to find true Peace to find true satisfaction is to connect directly with the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are you looking for? He has made everything beautiful in its time and he has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. Sometimes we are longing... If you're not a Christian or you have wandered away, our longing is because God has set eternity within our hearts. The old story is told of a rabbi wandering around one day in Russia because he was, he was depressed, he was miserable, he'd lost his faith. His, why weren't things turning out very well? He was very depressed and struggling and wandering around. And as he walked around, he just walked for miles and he ended up walking in an area he shouldn't have walked into in this Russian town. And a soldier called out and said, Hey, who are you and what are you doing here? And the rabbi jumped and looked and says, I'm, uh, I'm just walking. He said, 
Well, who are you and what are you doing here? He said, young man, how much do you get paid a day to stand there? And the soldier kind of smiled. He said, not very much. He looked at him and he said, I will pay you the same amount every day for the rest of my life if you ask me that question every day of my life. Who are you and what are you doing here? And the question that we all have is the most fundamental question is, who are you? And what are you doing here? And this, I believe, is the very heart of what Jesus wanted to communicate when he said to them, what are you looking for? When he asked his 307 questions, when he approached people, he wants to get to them. He wants to question them. He wants to work out why and who they are. Uh, Who are you? Or the question is, you and I, who are we here this morning? I know who I am in many senses. I know that I am fallen, that I am broken, that I am a sinner and I could not save myself. But one day I came to the Lord Jesus Christ and he redeemed me and I was born again and I was born of the Spirit and I I know that I am a sinner who is truly saved by the grace of God. Who am I? But who am I now? Am I Jesus following now as I should be? Am I living what God has called me to live? And what are you doing here? I think Jesus looks at each one of us and wants to remind us, what are you doing here now on this planet, in this time, in this turbulent time, when we see annexation of 15% of Ukraine having taken place, and we see great ceremonies, and we see the word nuclear war, nuclear, nuclear being used, and rhetoric, and all of that, and we wonder, what does the future hold? And when we see the shifts in the markets and the energy crisis, and we see um, how, how gas lines uh, suddenly explode in the middle of the Baltic Sea and we see the turmoil and problems. Who are you and what are you doing here? And the answer is, answer is about purpose. The answer is about calling. The answer is what has God set in your heart for you to do in this world? Because none of you, when you know the Lord Jesus Christ, are absolute. You can be used by the glory of God and God wants to to lead your life. So he has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. Maybe you're not a Christian. And maybe I need to just honestly say to you, the reason you feel a longing and a loss and a wondering and thinking, what is the purpose? It's because there is a longing within you and Jesus asks the same question of you. And the question is this. Who are you? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And it may seem an easy answer at first, but if you really think about that and you do some listening prayer and you pray about it and you start to journal about it and you start to ask yourself the question, what is happening? See, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, 
he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and brought that field again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for a fine pearls when he found one of the great value he went away and sold everything he had and brought it there are people in this world that spend all of their time looking for treasure I've read many interviews of people that discovered treasures, treasures in Europe of Saxon gold, shipwrecked treasures with with millions of dollars of gold on, and they've searched their whole life, and they finally found it, and, and they asked the question, what does it feel like now to have finally found the treasure you've been searching forever? But you see, so many of them talk about a lack of emptiness still, a lack of no purpose, a lack I found, you know, Oscar Wilde says, you search for your greatest treasure and if you don't have it, you're so disappointed and then when you receive your greatest treasure, then you're disappointed as well because it wears off because in the human heart, there is no satisfaction, no satisfaction except when you find the treasure of the kingdom of God. Except when who are you and what are you doing is answered here that I am the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that is hidden in the field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and brought that field. And that's where the key is that we have to lay down our whole lives of who we are, give it up, let go, sell everything that we hold on to, our idols, our sinful nature, all the things that are full of our pride, sell everything because all I want is the treasure of the glory of the kingdom of God and the treasure of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, it's like somebody, a merchant. The kingdom is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything. Who are you and what are you doing here? Are you willing to sell everything for Jesus? Are you willing to give up everything for Jesus? Are you basically willing to say, Jesus is Lord and number one? But I don't find that this is a one-time decision. I find that I have to get up every morning and say, I give my whole life over to Jesus today. I find that this is a journey of pilgrimage that I'm on. And sometimes we wander away from it, don't we? We lose our treasure. The New York Magazine, New York Magazine did a big article about safe deposit boxes. I've never owned a safe deposit box. I kind of feel left out. But you've got to have something to put in it, I suppose. And, and, and people buy these or rent these safe deposit boxes. And they put their money in. They put their jewels in. They put their diamonds in. They put you know, everything in. But, but often they stop paying the rent. And years later, they, they, they can't be reached. And they don't know where these people are. So they sell the safe deposit boxes for a price. And you get what's in them. But sometimes what, what they do, they work through them as well. And then they, they, they discover that in many of these safety boxes, there's not diamonds or, or gold doubloons or 
But what's in these boxes are love letters. Loads of love letters. Pictures of people. Certificates. Beautiful, beautiful poems. Things that, that are sentimental, mementos of life. And somewhere along the, the, the journey... The person has had these treasured things in their life, these, these letters, these medals from service, these beautiful things that are, are worthless and yet worth something. And the person has chosen to walk away and never bother with those beautiful things again. And there is a danger in our Christianity that we can walk away and lose the beauty and the love of what we hold as a treasure within our lives. How many of us know people that really have, they've wandered away. They've wandered away from that passion and that desire and that love. They've wandered away to the church in Ephesus. You do many good works. You're an amazing church. You've got big influences, it says in Revelation 2. But nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You had it, but you've left it. And for you and I, that is a massive challenge, isn't it? That we don't walk away from the beauty of our first love, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are you? What do you want? Who are you? What do you want? You don't walk away. It's tough when we go through tough times that we don't walk away. It's tough. But there is a longing within each one of us of a homecoming, I believe. That when you truly connect with God, you truly come home. You find your treasure. You have that relationship with Jesus. And humbly, may I submit to you that you may have even, your treasure is where your heart is, as Jesus taught in Matthew's Gospel and the Sermon of the Man. And I would say to you, where is your treasure this morning, online as you watch, where is your treasure? Where is that treasure in your heart? Was it Bono that said, I still haven't found what I'm looking for? Singing the U2 song in stadiums throughout the world. People singing it as an anthem. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. When I think of Mary Magdalene, and as she came, she was grieving the loss of her beloved teacher, Lord. She had been given such self-respect through Jesus. She was viewed suspiciously and had been freed from the power of the demonic in her life. Church history suggests that she was, had lived an immoral life before meeting Jesus. And in her brokenness, Jesus gave her respect, gave her love, gave her dignity, and he was now nailed to the cross. Her life was shattered in pieces all over the floor that morning. It was like her life was a vase, boom, it was shattered. But Jesus, by appearing as a gardener, and then spoke to you, who are you looking for? I'm looking for my 
where they put his body. And he answers, and she looks up and she says, Rabbi, Master, Teacher, what he was willing to do was rebuild and always is willing to do the shattered pieces of a broken life. And if you go, well, who am I? Well, I'm broken. I want to say to you, Jesus can rebuild the shattered parts of your life. He'll rebuild you. And maybe you're a Christian, but you're still broken. Jesus will rebuild the shattered parts of your life. If you're willing. And ask the question, who am I? And what am I doing here? What is my value? Where am I going? St. Augustine said, the heart of man is relentlessly restless until they discover God. And when you discover God, man's heart becomes one of peace. Was it Blaise Pascal that said, within each one of us there is a vacuum that can only shaped, that can only be filled by the presence of God in your life. And there you have the answer. Our dwelling place in all generations, that for every generation, we want to dwell in the presence of God. And what we know is, as the deer longs for the flowing streams, so my soul longs for our God. I long for you, oh God. I long for you. And this is where I want to finish. It's really the reality of the presence of the power of God in our lives that answers the question, who am I? And what are you looking for? It's allowing yourself space to go deeper with Jesus because you know what the answer is. The answer is your relationship with Jesus Christ as priority, as number one. And living and panting and wanting his presence. To abide in him, to come close. And that's why we run repeatedly set free. Because if you're broken, there are ways back to be healed. That's why we do pastoral counseling. Because if you're broken, there's way back to be healed. That's why I encourage you to, to, to hear God's voice and use the revelation of Scripture. And as St. Augustine said, Scripture is as the face of God. In other words, we see God in Scripture, the face of God. And Jesus Christ, this morning I declare to you, is the portrait of God. And if you want to understand God, the portrait, look at Jesus Christ. And the Word of God is as if God's, as is God's face within the triune God. Hallelujah. So, so get your relationship with God going. Write these questions down and journal them and listen and pray. Who are you? And what are you doing here? And you might be surprised what God says to you this week and how he speaks to you. Hallelujah. Now let's stand together and um, worship as we finish. We have a prayer team here, stewards here, uh, Pastor Luke and uh, other pastors and elders and uh, will be available at the end of the song, just kind of stood here. They'll be stood along here, uh, kind of 
looking like they're waiting for something to come to them. And if you want prayer about anything that we've spoken about, come. If you're not a Christian, I'll be out there, tap me on the shoulder and say, I like what you said. This morning, I'd like to become a Christian. And I will sit with you and lead you to Jesus Christ this morning. Come on. Come on. Find out more. Find out more. Who are you? And what are you longing for? And what are you doing here? I know why you're here. Because you are made in the image of God. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus, the portrait of God. And thank you that our faith is not only a knowledge, but it's a revelation, an illumination that comes to us. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us this morning as we finish, and thank you that it was the work of the cross that connected us. I know who I am. I am a sinner that needs to be saved by grace. And that Christ, you died on the cross so that I could discover truly who I am and what is the meaning of what I am doing here. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us all to go the next step in what Jesus is asking us to do. The next step to go deeper. In your name, Lord, I pray. Amen. And if you're interested in learning about gifting and spiritual gifts, I'll be teaching tonight on, um, on gifts, 5.30. Come and join here and um, we'll have some worship and I'll be teaching on, uh, on our gifts. And if you have the capacity for that, do come and join us.